Left-wing Portland public schools are looking at doing away with the zeros if students fail to turn in assignments. Tony Fauci is back on television urging people to mask up. Plus, evidence continues to mount against the Biden crime family. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with America's government-run schools, and in particular, a program that's going to be tested in the Portland public school system, which seeks to be more equitable in its practices regarding assignments and grading. As you know, anytime you hear the word equitable, it means you'll be hearing about a leftist education program that is not focused on education, but rather combating some kind of perceived racial injustice. In this case, the school system wants to get rid of zeros for cheating and missing assignments. That's right. That means if you turn in 0% of an assignment, these teachers and administrators still want the students to receive at least 50% of the credit. Here's the story. PPS wants to move to an equitable grading system where students won't be penalized for things like turning in their homework late. Instead, schools would go above and beyond to understand the students' background so that they can demonstrate what they know in the classroom. PPS is looking to change their grading system. It's making sure that students have an opportunity to demonstrate what they know and what they're able to do, not based on their behavior towards work completion. I think that last comment is just stunning. This is the chief academic officer for the Portland public school system. And she believes that we shouldn't be concerned with a student's behavior toward work completion. What she means is that if a student doesn't want to do an assignment, that's no big deal. If a student doesn't complete an assignment on time, that's no big deal either. Basically, if a student has a bad attitude about doing assignments, that shouldn't be a factor. Apparently, the student should be assessed using other means, probably something like how do you feel about two plus three being equal to five? Actually, some leftist education programs now think that you shouldn't teach that two plus three equals five. Two plus three should be equal to whatever the student wants it to be equal to. That's the state of government-run schools today. Here's more. PPS says in the past, teachers have given zeros if schoolwork was late or inaccurate. The new system would change that. We want those students to have the opportunity to complete those assignments. Rochelle is a mom of a kindergartner and a fifth grader and says getting rid of zeros is a good thing. When you put a zero on a kid, like you're putting a value judgment on them, right? Like they are feeling the impact of that zero. Rochelle says the new grading system can help mitigate barriers. I feel like it's really important that we meet kids where they're at and they're not all at the same place. Wow, where do these people come from? In addressing the comments by the mother who was interviewed for the story, the first point that comes to mind is that if a child doesn't do an assignment, then that child earned the value judgment that is associated with a zero. It's exactly the same thing as if the student did the assignment correctly and earned a 100 on it. That is also a value judgment, and both were earned by the student. It's part of life. Part of growing up is realizing how it feels to get a 100 and how it feels to get a zero. 100 is much more pleasant than a zero. However, if zeros are no longer in the picture, if missing work or cheating isn't penalized, then what's happening is that our children are being rewarded for achievement that is not earned. That is wrong. 
PPS says they've already put it to the test in classrooms last year. Some of the things that we heard was student motivation was higher. Um, students leaning in and engaging, not like opting out or closing down. It's assessing the learning, not the effort. And, and that's what I want families to be able to take away um, from this. I'm sorry, but this is just ridiculous. In real life, the learning is irrelevant without the effort. If you hire someone, it doesn't really matter how much they know. If the person isn't going to put forward effort to do the job. Also, how do you assess learning without assignments? You don't. Unless you are administrators like this one who are more concerned about equitable grading practices than actually producing students who can read, write, and do math. All right, next let's talk about Tony Fauci and COVID. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about Tony Fauci because every time COVID cases go up just a little bit, Fauci is back on CNN or MSNBC or some other network. He is such a grifter and what he says does not follow the science. But hey, that hasn't stopped him or the media or big tech or the Democrats in the past. And we can see that all of these groups are starting to make this new push to mask up again. First of all, the science, real scientific studies never said masks were better at stopping viruses. They're just too small. But that was the push based on so-called CDC guidelines. Masks were mandated in the government, in business, in schools, you name it. And now yet another study shows not only don't masks help, but they can also hurt. So this study, um, it was actually out of South Korea, but published on the NIH website. And what it found was there were these toxic uh, chemicals, these toxic um, volatile organic chemicals found in the packaging of the masks. And so when you put them on, you would have these symptoms, headache, nausea. You know, sometimes you would feel um, dizzy as well or, or have trouble breathing and coughing because of the irritation to your lungs from right. these toxic chemicals. That study dealt with toxic chemicals in N95 masks. There is another study out now which utilizes a huge data set. And guess what? It found that masks make no difference in stopping COVID. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on, what about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference, none of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. So that report was presented on CNN during an interview with Tony Fauci, and here's how he responded. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. I've never heard something so ridiculous. 
The Cochrane study focused on whether masks were effective or not. It did so by testing mask wearers, individuals, people against non-mask wearers. They tested mask wearers against non-mask wearers. Masks didn't make a difference. Fauci's comment on but on an individual level is nonsensical. Masks either work or they don't. And the answer is they don't. Here's more from Fauci. That if in fact we get to the point where the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything. I mean, recommends that people wear masks. I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves and to their families. And again, we're not talking There's about forcing anybody to do anything. Those were completely bogus comments. Fauci knows more than anyone that those CDC guidelines or recommendation were taken as law. Those recommendations led to lockdowns, mask mandates, and vaccine mandates. The real question is, will Americans comply again? I, for one, will not. I know the science, and the science does not change regardless of the number of cases. Fauci can take his recommendations and pound sand. All right, next I want to give you a little update on the Biden crime family and the mounting evidence that Joe Biden used his political office to not only enrich himself and his family, but also used his position to influence foreign policy decisions in return for cash payments. As you may have heard, it has been discovered through a Freedom of Information request that the National Archives has over 5,000 emails from then-Vice President Joe Biden using fake names and discussing businesses' dealings with Hunter Biden. That's right. Joe Biden has said repeatedly that he has never discussed business with Hunter, that he has no involvement in Hunter's businesses, and that he's done nothing illegal. And yet, he seemed to be fond of using aliases and fake names to hide business dealings while vice president. Doesn't that sound just a little strange? But it does seem that Joe Biden was fond of writing emails under his nom de guerre, using the pseudonyms of Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware. That's according to the Southeastern Legal Foundation, a nonprofit constitutional group that filed a FOIA request with NARA last year for these records. Now, NARA confirmed the existence of the trove to the foundation, writing this, quote, we had performed a search of our collection for vice presidential records related to your June 9. 2022 request and have identified approximately 5,138 email messages, 25 electronic files, and 200 pages of potentially responsive records that must be processed in order to respond to your request. That's a whole lot of messages using fake names. And as of now, the National Archives has still not released the emails or other documents either to that organization or the House Oversight Committee. Former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker told Newsmax that he believes these email messages represent the smoking gun in the Biden crime family investigation. Um, you know, what we have here is a situation where uh, the, the Obama-Biden administration from, you know, that ended in 2016 could easily uh, wave a magic wand and say, you know what, we want to be transparent. We want to demonstrate that we have nothing to hide and we're going to share these documents. And instead, they're stonewalling. And why are they stonewalling? Because these are the documents. This is the smoking gun. This shows that Joe Biden was directly involved with his son, Hunter Biden, and his business dealings. It looks like this case against the Bidens truly has it all. With Hunter Biden, you have prostitutes and drugs and overall incompetence. With Joe Biden, you have a high-ranking Democrat who is willing to sell out his country just to make some money. 
It's pathetic and it's illegal. Here's more. It's not only uh, whether or not Joe Biden benefited from his official duties, but whether his family did. And that, you know, that is the, 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 to me, what the conspiracy is here. And that is, it was very clear that Joe Biden uh, knew what Hunter was doing. Uh, and these emails will help tell us and, and fill out that picture. And that, you know, Hunter Biden, who is, you know, the son of the then vice president, was benefiting financially from that. So much corruption. And on top of that, you have Joe Biden now not being able to put a coherent sentence together and clearly being guided by the far left. Here's Biden talking about Hurricane Idalia. Helping them recover, at least doing an initial assessment of uh, that Category 3 storm that uh, made landfill. Yep, nothing like it when a hurricane makes landfill. And yet, Joe Biden continues to be largely protected by the media who refused to hold this White House accountable for information. The question is, how long will that continue? Or will the Democrats reach a point where they want more information to come out so that Biden can be replaced on the ticket? Do you think Biden will be the Democrat nominee? Let me know in the comments. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one she gives you the links to all the stories and videos used on today's show so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Wednesday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.